The final regular season game of the season at Kinnick Stadium with a whole lot on the line. The entire Western Division for a second consecutive year. This is Hawkeyes Live every Tuesday here at the Voice of College Football. We appreciate you all being here. And the guy that makes this all happen is, of course, Corey Bratta from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Get on over there to the Hawkeye from the Storm and uh, for both football and basketball coverage. Corey, how are you? Doing good, Mark. This is a... Uh... I hope to uh, get a lot done here in the next couple of days because I'm behind on uh, on work. But this has been a, a quite a, a turnaround over the past month as it relates to uh, win and, wins and losses for Iowa. And uh, big game. I mean, huge game, obviously, with massive implications. One of the biggest games. And you, you can people can argue this. I'd say this is probably at least in the top eight uh, of all-time games in Kirk Ferentz's tenure here. I mean... You're playing for a division title, right? You win, you, you win. If you win, you're in. If you don't, you're out. So um, massive implications. And I'm not as confident as some people are. Um, I haven't released my pick, of course, yet. But I'm a little, as I said yesterday during our conversation on the Nebraska channel, uh, this game makes me nervous. And it's not just like a pessimistic. I mean, you know, last year I got ripped for being a homer, even in the Big Ten title game against Michigan. This game, there's something about this game that just kind of gives me an uneasy feeling about it, but we'll see what happens. Um, Iowa should win this game. They're at home. This is a Nebraska team that finds ways to lose games. Iowa's a team that finds ways to win games. Um, they've won this game how many straight years? They've won it in close fashion most of those years. So everything screams Iowa. Maybe that's part of the reason why it uh, kind of makes me a little uneasy. I'm going to ask this question on behalf of yourself, but also the Iowa fan base that you interact with on a daily basis. Is there something special about this game? Has the Big Ten's initiative in putting these two together on the Friday after Thanksgiving taken hold? Is there something that makes this in line with other rivalries in the division, Wisconsin and Minnesota come to mind first and foremost? I've never been a rivalry guy like like Iowa State is my and I know a lot of people don't agree with this but to me Iowa State is Iowa's biggest rival. That's just how I feel. It's just it is what it is. I that's the game. Obviously you want to win championships. And to do that you have to beat teams like Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin, especially Wisconsin in recent years. But there's something about that Iowa State game you just hate to lose that game and you know, it doesn't really do a whole lot for you, but the fact that you can get so emotionally invested in a game that really doesn't do much of anything for you, at least in the Big Ten, tells me it's the the biggest rivalry, in my opinion. Um, but this is a rivalry, no question. A lot of, the, you know, these fan bases don't get along, and, and that's, you know, that's part of sometimes what a rivalry is. Um, obviously, it's been one-sided. You know, you go back to... Uh, what the Nebraska AD was at Eichhorst or Eichhorn, whatever it was, um, that made the comment about you know we had to we had to look at where Iowa where, where Iowa is uh, basically I mean, in so many words after uh, Nebraska came in and beat Iowa in 2014. Of course, that was when they fired Pelini and he made that comment publicly, which really got under a lot of fans' skin. Um, you know, just stuff like that has fueled the fire. I don't really care if it's on Black Friday or not. Frankly, I'd rather play Wisconsin in the last week of the season but I absolutely consider it a rivalry. I think Iowa's got four rivalry games and um, you, people want to say it's manufactured. Well, it's, it's right down on I 80. It's, you know, that these two schools are close in proximity. Um, 
there's a lot of things about this game that make it a good rivalry. And the, the whole uh, idea of um, playing it on a day where a lot of teams aren't in action does, you know, it gives something different for, for fans across the country to watch. And I don't know why it's on BTN. That's a little bit odd to me. You know, it'd be nice to have it on Fox or on ABC. And in past years it has been, but by the way, can we address real quick, Mark, that last question from Dino? Um, because that is a question that, uh, I saw, uh, no, not that one. Well, like we can answer this one, but, uh, see, Kirk made a press conference that Caleb made a huge mistake. I don't know what the mistake was, Pat. I did see that he did hear from Kirk today that he is healthy. There was some speculation that he had been hurt. Let me see if I can find this comment. There it is. Kirk Ferentz says he win coach of the year in the big 10 for his turnaround of this team if they win. So I respect the question. I, I, for me personally, the answer is 1000% no, because it's not a matter, Dino, of, yeah, you're absolutely right. Kirk deserves tons of credit for getting the train back on the tracks. But doesn't he also deserve some of the blame for the train kind of starting to derail when they were at three and four? I mean, ultimately, your record is what your record is, and they have a chance to be eight and four. But eight and four, um, with this, with the talent they have on defense, and some of the talent they have an NFL tight end. Uh, I'm not saying that, that eight and four is underachieving, but when you look at the defense to an extent, it is. I just don't. Mark, you have a better feel for the Big Ten Conference. Um, I love Kirk Ferentz, but no, he, to me, no, absolutely not. He's not coach of the year in the Big Ten. And I could think of it. I mean, certainly Brett Bielema is the first one that comes to mind for me. I don't know what your thoughts are. Brett Bielema, to me, is the hands-down winner of the Coach of the Year in the Big Ten. Yeah. Despite a three-game losing streak, we saw them go to Michigan this past weekend, and um, maybe with a few calls that would have been correct by the officials would have won the game. But anyway, they they were right in the game with Michigan to the very end. Uh, this is what – and I've thrown out the record eight and four as kind of a matter of fact. This is what this program is. And with a win on Saturday, that's where they're going to be sitting. Now, eight and four and being in second or third place is different than eight and four. And in this type of year, it may result and and would result this season in a Big Ten Western Division championship. So that should be credited, no doubt. Best team in the division, Mark, right now? Iowa. I'd say Illinois. Yeah, you and I disagree on this, and it's not ripping Iowa. Yeah. Not, I'm not saying they don't deserve to win the West if they get there, because they they will one deserve to win the West by the numbers. Um, I have not seen a team compete with Michigan the way Illinois did on Saturday. That's sure. a big indicator for me. I've I, you know obviously Minnesota got absolutely blasted by Penn State. Um, you know Purdue lost a close one, but it was Week One against Penn State. I'm not saying Iowa, and there's a big gap between Iowa and Illinois. What's impressed me about Brett and why I would favor him to win Big Ten Coach of the Year, not only just the turnaround, but the fact that he has done that. We've talked about this in the past. They had a ton of attrition over the offseason with the transfer portal. So he had to go to the transfer portal, bring guys in. You're talking about turnover. And what has he done? What's he built that program on? It's been on winning the battle in the trenches and running the football. Chase Brown was a... Hey, he was a gift to to Brett Bielema. There's no question about it. But they have built that pro. He has built that program in a short amount of time on winning the trenches on defense. That's hard to do. 
And that's why I think they're a player. And, and regardless of the support from the fan base, and I've, I've been, I've been disappointed by the lack of attendance at some of these games for, for Illini home games, regardless of that though, because of what he's been doing as far as developing guys defensively and, and being able to develop his offensive line, I think he's here to stay as long as he wants to stay at Illinois. And then you're able to start grabbing some talent from Chicago. They're a dangerous, dangerous player moving forward. So good question. Phil. I mean, Kirk, I said this on my weekly podcast that was released, I think, yesterday. Kirk deserves tons of credit for getting this thing back on track to an extent. The offense is still really bad. We know that. Um, but they're winning games. The ceiling is still 8-4. and four. Now, if they go win the Big Ten title, maybe we can have a different conversation about that, Mark. If they go beat Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game in, in a week and a half, Maybe we, you and I both admit that maybe he's got a say in that, uh, but I'm certainly not predicting that. If if you the question was if they win Friday, and to me that doesn't that does not overlook what Brett Bielema has done this year. Well, I was ready to change my response, my answer about three and a half seconds after it came out of my mouth, because just by habit, as soon as you asked me that question, I only thought Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa. Okay, Iowa. Yes, Illinois is the answer. Illinois, um, it's difficult to differentiate these teams, meaning the top three, the top four in the division, just based on the results that they've played against each other. Um, they've, they've all won games against each other. Illinois, however, did beat Iowa head-to-head. They did defeat Minnesota and were dominant in that performance against Minnesota, clearly. Uh, they were dominant against Wisconsin. They slipped up against Purdue. Um one caveat for Iowa is that they're the only one that had to play both Ohio State and Michigan, and they have survived that scheduling portion against them to most likely now win the division if they can follow through. Whereas, yes, just based on game performance against Michigan, that that was an impressive showing by a team that I consider to be, from a defensive standpoint, right there with Minnesota and Wisconsin Probably a little bit better than those two. I would say that they're the second best defense in the division. I was clearly the best. They're on another level. But Illinois' defense is stout. It's really strong. But there's little comparison between the two offenses. And real quick, Mark, because I know we got to get on to every, uh, other items here, but get your thoughts on this. I know you don't, you're not able to, you just want the time, and I don't blame you, to watch all of our postgame shows with with coach patterson but we had somebody call in very loyal listener very faithful caller he called in and said uh, that he believed that had iowa lost that game say that say iowa lost 13 to 10 if mo ibrahim doesn't fumble if jack campbell drops that pick minnesota may kick a field goal and that's all she wrote the fact is that that didn't happen but had minnesota won 13 to 10 uh, this this individual's argument was that Iowa's offense in this game, Iowa's offense pl- outplayed the defense. Just your thoughts on that comment, because y- you know how I responded. And and I tried to, you know, I, I, I was respectful in response, but holding a team to 10 or 13 points, they got Tim Brando, who's, I wish you guy retire. I, 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 I don't have a lot, you know, a lot of respect for what he's accomplished in his career. It's painful to listen to anyways. We had to listen to him for basketball season yeah, hall game too. Much. But yeah. uh, the reason I bring him up is he made a point. I, I'm going to trust him on this stat. I haven't went back and tracked it, but what he said during the game was the final three quarters, Iowa's offense total 114 yards in the final three quarters. So at a good first quarter, 
and I give Brian credit. I made a couple nice calls. First play from scrimmage, misdirection over the top to Sam Laporta. Or it wasn't really over the top. It was uh, just a misdirection dump off to Sam Laporta, who took it how many yards down the field. But my point is, had a good first quarter. But to tell me, yes, they gave up a lot of yards to Mo Ibrahim. But I gave the comparison to the 2017 game against Penn State when Saquon Barkley had like 300 all-purpose yards against Iowa, and yet Iowa still <laughs> was ahead up until the final play of the game. And I think it was like 19 to 15 or something final score. Like that's what Phil Par- – they've been good against the run since the bye week, but Phil Parker's teams don't always stop the run. Sometimes they just bend, 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 and make plays at big times. What did they do Saturday? They bent, they bent, they bent. And then finally, right, finally, Mo Ibrahim, whether it's because of fatigue, whatever the case, one mistake, and Iowa capitalizes on it. In this case, it was two mistakes, and they win the game. So it's not like it is incredible that Iowa can do this week after week, but it's what they've been doing for years. It's just kind of an extreme version because you've never seen the offense be this bad. I just didn't like that. Again, respect the, the take of our listener, but I just I still thought about that. I just wanted to get your opinion on the idea that, that Iowa's offense outplayed defense on Saturday? Well, the first indicator you go to is the scoreboard. So that is clearly an indication toward the defense. And then you may need to undercover past that. But just because the offense is so painful to watch and so anemic that in comparison to most efforts this season – yeah, I believe Spencer Petras threw for about 220 yards. There wasn't much of a ground game. It was, it was no, but R- Mark, they got outrushed by like 260 yards. Yeah, yeah, they didn't run the give Spencer Petras credit. Um, but now what the question is on Sat on Friday, what will they do without Sam Laporta? And he's comfortable with Luke Lachey, but not nearly to the comfortability with you know that he has with Sam Laporta. And Look, one tight end being out should not make or break an offense. I mean, we know the offense wasn't good prior, but it, it, they're going to have to figure out a way to get receivers involved because it can't just be the Luke Lachey show on Friday. Laporte is out for sure. For sure. That, Kirk Ferentz confirmed that today. Okay. Iowa Hawkeyes Live brought to you by the fine folks at Gene Arthur Associates. We appreciate their support. And as always, the link to Gene Arthur Associates, and to get your instant quote is in the description section of every video here at the Voice of College Football, both on the Iowa and the Nebraska channels. Any video you watch, go to the description section. At the top of the section is the link to go to the site and get your instant quote. Who doesn't want to save on insurance? And we have finally reached the final regular season game, and we have brought together our Nebraska folks and our Iowa folks for one show here, as we typically do on the final weekend of the season, but also, you know, from watching both here at the um, Iowa show and also on the Nebraska show that we've had ticket giveaways throughout the season on uh, the Nebraska channel, uh, courtesy again, Gene Arthur Associates, and also here for the final game of the season at Kinnick Stadium, Nebraska at Iowa, a ticket giveaway that we're doing live here. Courtesy, Teresa from Gene Arthur Associates. Hi, Teresa. How you doing? Uh-oh, we can't hear you. Let me see if I can unmute you. I can't. There. If there's a way. Is that better? There we go. Hi, yes, Mark. we got you. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? 
We are doing just fine. We're excited about uh, the ticket giveaway. I know many other people are as well. It's been great to partner with you and everyone there at Gene Arthur Associates this year and uh, provide these uh, tickets for Nebraska fans throughout the year. And now for Hawkeye fans, possibly, or whomever wins it, we don't know which side they're, they're going to be on, but uh, for the game coming up on Friday. Yep. And I am actually an Iowan, <laughs> if, that, if that's what you say. I was born in uh, Sioux City, Iowa. So I was born in Iowa, but I lived across the bridge in South Sioux City, Nebraska. So I was going to say, we don't I consider Sioux... We don't consider Sioux City people actually Iowans, Teresa. I'm just giving you a hard time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm a Nebraska, you know, but it was right across the river. It was close to the hospital. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. And based on your emails that we trade concerning the, you know, the ticket giveaways, I know that you're in, you're in tune with college football and what's going on and always throwing me some kind of comments or questions about, what just happened over the weekend. So we're getting to that time of year. It's pretty exciting. And we've got a Western Division championship on the line for whomever wins uh, the ticket giveaway for Friday. Mm-hmm. Yep. I I uh, have kind of traded. I'm still a Nebraska fan. But as you know, Mark, my fiance is a Michigan hardcore fan. And so I've been obviously watching and rooting for them because, they're a good team. Um, but he has taught me a lot over 17 years about football. So I'm definitely a fanatic. <laughs> well, Teresa, thank you so much to you and everyone else there at Gene Arthur Associates for making this show possible during uh, this football season. And uh, we have been excited to partner with you and provide this ticket giveaway throughout the season. And you, of course, have the honor of selecting the final ticket giveaway winner for the iowa nebraska game i do i'm excited and thank you for everyone who entered so we're gonna do the drive now right yes all right so whoever gets to go see nebraska versus iowa and the winner is mary schaefer i don't know if you can see that mary schaefer and I know her husband also entered the contest. And I think they're watching because he asked me how to watch. So what we will do is we will email you your tickets, um, and you'll be able to get in. So, Beautiful. Very exciting. We have your contact information already. We're going to assume that Mary's going to take her husband, right, Mark? I'm not assuming <laughs> anything, but sure, we can do that. So, is Mary? Do we know? Is Mary or Mary and her husband are they Iowa Nebraska fans? Do we know? Um, I'm not sure. Their um zip code are the their area code. Um. So we don't know for sure. So it's a bit of a mystery. Who knows? Maybe it's like uh, your setup with your husband. Maybe Mary's a Nebraska fan and her husband's an Iowa fan or something. That'd be the best way, right, Mark? That'd be the best scenario here. There there you go. (laughs) One can wear red, the other wear black or yellow. So Mary Schaefer, thank you so much. I'm sorry if I'm talking Um, over you, Teresa. You're cutting out a bit. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um, I, I was just, just going to say talk our last uh, winner, 
<laughs> yeah. Our last winner last week, Adam Holen, Obel and Rich, uh, took his wife, Jacqueline, and they had an amazing time at the Wisconsin game, even though Nebraska lost at the very end. But still looking good. But my grandpa very was good. a Hawkeye yeah. fan, so I still root right. for the Hawkeyes, too. Very nice. <laughs> Well, we uh, want to say congratulations, of course, to Mary Schaefer. And thank you, Mary, for watching here at the Voice of College Football, whether that's on the Nebraska channel or the Iowa channel. We don't necessarily know, but either one or both. Thank you so much for that. Teresa, thank you so much for everything that you've done for us here at the Voice of College Football. You and your father and the rest of the family there at Gene Arthur Associates. So thank you so much for that. And uh, enjoy the football having- weekend. I will. <laughs> and we will we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for that. Thanks, Teresa. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Mary Schaefer's the winner. So, Mary, thank you for entering and uh, enjoy the Nebraska-Iowa game. And if it's like most of them, it uh, should go down to the final minute of play. And uh, Corey's going to be a bit nervous about that. I am. What's a 10 and a half? Wow. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you, I would you take Nebraska right now? I mean, we haven't made our picks. Maybe you want to say that, but I'm assuming is this going to be on our our sheet of picks this week, Mark? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, it will be. Um, I made the comment last night when we discussed it on the Nebraska show that the one thread of hope that I give Nebraska, legitimate, you know, anytime there's two teams, they play in the same conference, and there's not that great a separation of talent, obviously the underdog gets a chance to win. We see 10 and a half point underdogs win several times a week in college football. However, uh, the performance of the Nebraska offense without Casey Thompson is deplorable with him in the game. And that opens up Trey Palmer. You should see Trey Palmer's stats since Casey Thompson has been out. He's had games of one catch, one yard, like three catches, five yards, he hit a Purdue for 237 the week before Casey Thompson got hurt. Um, so that gives them, even though that's, of course, playing into Iowa's strength, at least gives Nebraska better than a puncher's chance, in my opinion. And so this past week, uh, Thompson, again, very good Wisconsin defense, but uh, am I correct in saying that uh, – Casey Thompson went 12 of 20 for a buck six. Yeah, he did. No picks, but that's a pedestrian. That's a Petrus like game. And um, I mean, look, Iowa secondary has been great all year, but Trey Palmer, I I have not seen somebody. I mean, that going back to that Purdue game, I watched that Purdue game, especially that second half. And it was just, I mean, obviously defense wasn't great, but just back and forth Purdue hitting Charlie Jones and uh, their big tight end whose, whose name escapes me. And then, you know, the Trey Palmer show on the other side. So, I don't think it's going to, I mean, there's the chances of this being a shootout are slim and none and, and slim left town, as they say. Um, but at the same time, I would not be surprised to see this game played into the twenties um, because Nebraska's obviously got holes on defense. Um, and, and certainly Iowa, I mean, Iowa has not, right. That's what one thing I'd say and give credit to Iowa's defensive line. They haven't, uh, you know, uh, accounted for a ton of sacks this year, Mark. But they have uh, consistently generated pressure on opposing quarterbacks all year round. And they're so deep. We talked about that. Remember week 
one mark that that's one thing we were absolutely right about is we kept saying this de- this defensive line is deep and they don't i don't know where the holes are going to be and the same can be said for linebacker and uh the, the thing about it though is i still think if you you are mickey joseph that you are trying to take advantage of riley moss because he's a good year but i don't think teams have tested him to the extent that he could be tested and We'll see what Mickey does. I mean, uh, you know, if Thompson's got, if, if he's healthy, I mean, it's his throwing arm, right? It's his, it's his throwing elbow. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that does, that, yeah. that can certainly limit big play ability down the field. But yeah. if, it's if, been an elbow, it's been a hand. Uh, yeah. Thinking back to the Ohio State game, because that would be the one team that threw the ball on Iowa finally starting in like the third quarter. Was there a particular cornerback that you can think of that was picked on more than anybody else? In the Ohio State game? Yeah. Um, well, Cooper DeGene got beat, I think, on, once. On the really long one. Yeah. It wasn't bad coverage. It's just a great throw. Yeah. Um, I would say teams have more often than not picked on Cooper, which doesn't shock me because he's younger, uh, less experienced than Riley. But we've talked even last season there were times last season where even though Riley Moss was named defensive back of the year in the big 10, where he, um, you know, he, he bit on a couple of uh, double moves. And I think that that leaves the opening for a, a go route, a completion down the field and potentially a guy like Trey Palmer making a big play with that being said, he's obviously played exceptionally well because he's not gotten beat like that this year. He's gotten beat a time or two. He got beat against Iowa state against, one of the best receivers in the country in Xavier Hutchinson. Um, I think he got beat. I'm trying to think who he got. Yeah, maybe he did get beat once against Ohio State. But he has been pretty – he's been better than I expected him to be. And I think he's uh, – you know, after last season, I would have guessed that he would have been drafted maybe sixth, seventh round at the highest. Um, now I could see him being drafted. I'm a draft expert. But I could see him being a fourth-round pick. Um that would probably be my guess at this point, fourth or fifth round pick. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it, it'll just, I would, I would guess that they'll fill out the Cooper side of the field first, but if I'm Nebraska, I'm, I'm making every effort to attack Iowa down the field. Let's also remember this Mark, not to make excuses. And, and Iowa's defense has been really good, but they have their ha- You know, weather has been a factor um, recently. And you think about the one game since Ohio State where you would expect a team to be able to hit Iowa and punish Iowa down the field. It'd be Purdue. We ain't going to do that with 50-mile-per-hour wind gusts. So Iowa was fortunate. They dominated Purdue, no question about it. But Iowa was fortunate that the conditions were what they were because that made that made things hard on Aiden O'Connell. Obviously, the defensive line made things hard on O'Connell. The secondary played well. But Iowa has had the, the elements in their favor, in their favor, in my opinion, uh, of late. Um, well, let me grab. I think the the forecast uh, is pretty good for this week. I don't know if you've uh, looked this up, Mark. I have um, not. I know who you really, really stand. think. Who do we really believe on Iowa's schedule can throw the football? Of course, Purdue. Other than Ohio State, that's obvious. They may have the best passing attack in the country. After that, nobody. No, well, nobody's thrown the ball on Purdue, but who's capable? Nobody. Who's got a capable passing attack. Michigan does. Purdue does. Well, Michigan. 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 I mean, JJ McCarthy's been pretty pedestrian through the year. 
Yeah, we, but I'm, I'm just talking about a capable passing attack. Those those well, are the two. DeVito can throw. DeVito's decent. Yeah. Yeah, those but, uh, three. I spoke out of turn. Remember, the, I said this yesterday on our show. No, there's actually supposed to be rain in the forecast. There's there's potential for rain on Saturday, So, or excuse me, on Friday. So hmm. um, I don't know. Uh, looks like maybe, let me look at this again. I'm going to pull up weather.com as we're talking about this. It There's looks like maybe that rain has pushed off more into the Saturday time frame. Um, I'm seeing 24% Friday evening. So if it's, I mean, on Friday, it's supposed to be 47, sunny, 5 to 10 mile per hour winds. Giddy up if I'm Nebraska right now, because those are perfect throwing conditions. <laughs> Your hands aren't going to freeze up. The ball will be soft. You'll have, you know, limited wind. As long as the the rain stays away, um, then advantage Nebraska from that vantage point. Uh, I think anything from bad conditions from that standpoint would would favor Iowa. So, um, yeah, interesting interesting storyline. What is this uh, super chat here, Mark? All right, a couple of super chats to get to. Mark, we appreciate you being here. Michigan's Michigan trolls Iowa toll. Okay. Whatever that means. Michigan and Iowa should rent the Coliseum for their championship game this year. What? What does that mean? Uh, let's see. Michigan's trolls. Michigan trolls. Iowa's. Michigan. Tr- Let me see if I can get. Michigan trolls. Iowa toll. Star, star, star. Michigan and Iowa should rent the Coliseum for their championship game this year. The Coliseum. Why? Why, Mark? Uh, meaning like the Colosseum, the one in Rome. Throwing the Christians to the lions. Kind of I'm thing. assuming we're talking because isn't USC stadium. Isn't that the Colosseum? Yes. yes. So I'm assuming that's what you're talking about. You're not talking about Rome. Uh, <laughs> so uh, wh- well, why, really, I don't know why, why would he be talking about USC? Well, why would he be talking about Rome? <laughs> because maybe he's looking at this as a similar outcome to last okay. year's championship game. Okay, so he's saying that there's going to be a bloodbath. That's what he's saying. Yes. And this is yes. Well, you really had to explain that though, unless everybody in the chat is just that much quicker than I am. That was not that didn't work, Mark. That that uh, no, I'm not talking about you, Mark. Mark Span Spaniola. That was a swing and a miss. We appreciate yeah. the super chat, but that that joke too, took too long to to explain, too long to understand. That's if that's the right interpretation. I just took a shot. Yeah. Oink, oink. Here's another uh, ill-fated super chat. But we appreciate the super chats, oink, oink. Thank you for that. But who do you think Iowa plays in the Rose Bowl, Oregon or USC? Well, should we explain to you that Iowa is not going to play in the Rose Bowl? If they win the Big Ten Championship, they may, right? They would, Okay, correct? All right. I think that's what he's saying. I guess I just don't even consider that. So I'm thinking, <laughs> well, it is the Big Ten Championship game. They're not playing in the Rose Bowl. Okay. Mark, what, yes. what, what will we do if if – Michigan beat. Now I know you don't want Michigan to beat. Your heart of hearts, you do not want Michigan to to win this weekend. But if Michigan wins, yeah, and Iowa wins, <laughs> and we we go back, right? We go back to Indy, yeah. Iowa, Michigan. What do you? What will the lead up to that game be like? Will we bring all? Will we converge and do a do a couple live streams between the Michigan sure. and the Iowa we channels? Play it up big, sure. It's the Big Ten championship. Uh, I'm more wondering what you and the Iowa fan base, like, does the Iowa fan base want that rematch? Well, you want it more than Iowa, Ohio State. 
for okay. Pete's sake. I mean, <laughs> listen, I don't think more. Listen, most Iowa fans likely would admit that they don't expect either of those games to be close if they're played. I'm not saying that, it's, that that that's how I feel. I'm just saying most Iowa fans, fans that I've talked to on this subject, on the championship game, don't feel optimistic about playing either team. But I I I don't know how Iowa beats Ohio State. I, I don't I don't understand how they could possibly beat Ohio State. I don't. I could see a scenario where they could beat Michigan. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that they're going to <laughs> make that very clear. We'll get to that. Next. I'll make that bold prediction next week, Mark, if Iowa wins Friday. But um, I, I just think it's it's clear that the way Michigan plays suits Iowa's strengths. And, yeah, you know, they had problems stopping the run in the first half against Blake Corum. And, you know, the Iowa offense was really bad until that third quarter when, you know, Michigan, they weren't really in prevent, but they were playing, you know, a deep zone and just kind of allowing Iowa – you know, they're keeping everything in front of them and it kind of padded Spencer's stats and the offense's stats. But the reality is when the pressure was on, Iowa did nothing offensively. So what, what can Iowa produce in that game? I don't know. Um, to me, it's, it's very much, it's very similar to the game last year, uh, except the fact that last year you had uh, at least an inkling that Iowa was serviceable offensively. Um, you know, with Charlie Jones and, and, you know, even Tyler Goodson, even though I don't think he was utilized the way he should have been at times, you had some experienced skill position players and they've got good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Arlen Bruce, certainly like Sam Laporta if he's healthy and Caleb Johnson, but those guys are young. Um, They don't have the chemistry with Spencer Petrus right now, except Sam Laporta certainly does. That's the other thing for Friday, Mark, where does the offense come this Friday against Nebraska? With Sam Laporte out, you go back to that first quarter. As great as Iowa played, not great, as good as Iowa played on Saturday in the first quarter, it was almost all Sam Laporta. They had three receptions for receivers in the game. In the game, Mark. Bruce and Brecht. Nothing for Vines, nothing for Reganey. Three receptions in the game. So you're going to get a heavy dose of, of Luke Lachey. And you know what I'm doing if I'm Nebraska? I am following Luke Lachey. I mean, I, I am doing everything I can to force Spencer to put the ball somewhere else because so far Spencer's not proven that he can consistently get the ball to to anybody but his tight ends. What's funny and made me smirk when you said something about um, Iowa's failure to get to the wide receivers. And then you mentioned Nico Reganey because I saw your tweet after the aforementioned Tim Brando made a statement about Nico Reganey dropping a pass you saw the pass, didn't you? Yes. I was watching the it's game. A stupid per- it was a stupid was thing to say. Fired way over his head. He's running backwards. And he's like leaping in the air. And, and you know, I have the quote from Can I read you? Like, the, yeah. Can I read you the quote from Brando, Mark? Sure. Let me find the quote from Brando. Uh, let's see here. Um, maybe I don't have the quote from Brando. Uh, I think I deleted it, but he said, and I'll, I know exactly what he said. He said, that was one of the best throws I've ever seen Petrus make ever. That's what he said. It has the best, one of the best throws I've ever seen Petrus make. I'm thinking, well, I mean, I, I I'll, I'll, let me give some credit to Spencer Petrus. That's not the best throw I've ever seen Spencer Petrus make. I mean, it was, was it catchable? Even Don Patterson said, maybe it was catchable, but don't tell me it was just a, I mean, 
Regani was open. Regani was wide open. It's the kind of catch that you would expect a starting receiver in the Big Ten to make, I don't know, maybe two out of ten times. Yes, would, it's catchable. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt bad for Regani on that play because um, – and Spencer Tillman, I don't know why Fox puts Brando with Spencer Tillman because it's almost like they enabled each other. Yeah. You've listened to these broadcasts, aren't you? I mean, oh, you've absolutely. listened to them before? Oh, yeah. How many times does Tim Brando say something and and Spencer Tillman just laughing it up? Oh, oh yeah. Tim, it's such a ridiculous combination. It really kind of irritates me. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it either entertains or it irritates. There's no in between. Exactly. I'd and, rather and I listen. Say I'm on both ends of the spectrum. I would rather listen to to Bill Walton call a basketball game because at least Bill Walton, I think, is genuinely funny at times. Yeah. Tim Brando's is. Tim Brando just tries to be funny. I mean. I don't ever find the guy funny. And I understand he's, do you consider him to be a legend in the broadcasting world? Legend. Boy, that's a big term, but he's been around for so long. And he, you know, when cable was first, you know, grabbing part of the college football market, he was pretty prominent there. Yeah. Legends a bit much. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I agree. In career. I agree. Yeah, uh, I generally don't like listening to broadcasting teams. I want them to to be loose and have fun, and I want camaraderie, but I don't want to get the feeling that they're having their own, like, you know, drinking session and kind of leaving us out of half the jokes. Like, I don't... Well, one thing that bothers me is, is, is Iowa media people making such a big deal over the Fox crew not being there because I don't believe Brando or, or Tillman were actually there at the stadium. Why do you care so much? Why Why do you and the media care? You're not even listening to the game. You're at the game in the press box. Why do you care yeah, that's who's at, what the Fox crew? But I, man, it just, every time that happens, you always hear about all the, you know, Fox has made all this money and they can't, who cares? I just, anyways. That was something that started uh, with ESPN during COVID that they started to go with yep. just sending out the remote crews and leaving the announcers unless it's a really big game. And I didn't even, I guess I don't think about that anymore since I'm not in the business, but I, it didn't, I didn't realize that those guys were not at the game sites. Okay. So just explain what's the big deal. What, what, what is the big deal? Why, why do we care about that? Why do any, why does anyone care where college game day is? You know that's one of my. You know that I. You know that I kind of get excited for college game day, but it's that's. I mean, I'm just saying. At least with with this situation, you you know you're going to get someone calling the game, and if they're good at what they do, they'll be good at what they do, regardless if they're sure. there in person or there remotely. Anyways, Absolutely. nobody cares about this rant, so we can move on. Teresa, thanks for being here. She says, hi, everyone. Thanks to those who entered the sweepstakes for the ticket giveaway. Sorry if my microphone was a little off. Nope, we got you. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I look forward to this game every year. Uh, this was before I had an Iowa channel or did any of this, had a Nebraska channel. I just, I like the Friday game. I know that I can, there is rarely a game that comes anywhere close to my desire to watch that game instead of this one or in addition to this one. And I am surprised, as you've mentioned, with as much as is on the line, 
there have certainly been Nebraska-Iowa games that nothing was on the line. Iowa was going to a bowl game, and Nebraska was doing whatever, and it was still an ABC game or a Fox game, and uh, kind of surprising that this one um, is on Big Ten Network, unless the Big Ten Network really made a play to – because they, they do get a few plays per year where they can grab uh, a spotlight game and keep it. I think they tip it, and I could be wrong on this, but if you go back in, in history, at least recent history with this game, BTN is typically there for their BTN tailgate or whatever that is, their version of game day. So um, I think I think they're typically there on Friday. So that might be part of the reason why they yeah. obviously prefer to have that game as well. And I'm sure the, the viewer numbers... Let, let me ask you this, Mark, real, real quick. And this is Iowa-related. I know you're not into college basketball. Let me ask you this question. You're a former ESPN guy. Explain to me, and this has to be... I don't know if this falls on the organizers or this falls on the universities, this falls on the television networks, but Iowa's playing Nebraska on Friday, Black Friday, right? Mm-hmm. They play at 3 o'clock Central Time. The Emerald Coast Classic, which is, as you know, there's all these different basketball tournaments this week. Yep. Iowa plays Clemson in basketball at the Emerald Coast Classic Friday at 6 p.m. Central Time, which means a lot of that first half, at least half of the first half, will be played during the football game. The football game will still be going. Now, why would you do that? As a frame of reference, they have a slot at 6 o'clock, and then at 8.30, it's TCU and Cal, the other side of the tournament. Why would you not schedule TCU and Cal? Do either Does TCU or Cal play on Friday? No football. Okay. Why would you not play TCU and Cal in the early slot? Aren't you oh, literally Cal plays at four thirty Eastern? Okay. So 3:30 okay. Central. So do you prefer getting Cal viewers? No. That don't want. By, by the way, Cal's a disaster. They're zero and five in basketball. They lost to Texas State last night. They've lost to UC Davis. They're the worst Power Five team in the country. So I don't understand this. Why would you schedule the basketball game? To overlap, I mean, you are literally killing your viewership, are you not? Uh, well, there's no comparison between the loyalty and the viewership of Cal basketball or football against Iowa football and basketball. Exactly. Number one, number two, I was playing for a football championship in arguably the most prestigious conference in America. For the record, I will have two TVs going. I'm going to bring another TV out in the living room. I'll have two TVs going. But I'm telling you, Mark, the average person ain't doing that. And the average person who loves both sports will not turn on basketball until football is over. They're not switching over to Iowa-Clemson with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter when yeah. Iowa's tied with Nebraska 5-5. Five to five. They're not going to do that, <laughs> okay? So I, I just I don't know if that's on the Emerald Coast Classic, if it's on CBS Sports Network, which is the, the, the network covering. I don't know, but it, it doesn't make sense to me. You're reminding me of a time in which I sent an email to Mark Shapiro, who was the vice president at ESPN because I was annoyed as a big 10 football fan that the citrus bowl, the outback bowl and the gator bowl were all positioned or one of them was the outback bowl. Yes. Those three bowl games on new year's day were positioned at 11 AM noon and like 1230. And they all involved the sec and the big 10. So the two power brokers in the sport, the same two conferences for all three games. And I was like, you know, if you're a Iowa fan and, but you would like to see Michigan state play and you would like to see Minnesota play 
or you're a Florida fan and you want to see Georgia play and uh, Tennessee play, what are you doing? I don't get right. this. Yeah, that doesn't make. And, and for the record, um, you know, like people like Pat, he says I'll be recording basketball um, and watching football live. That that's what most people will do. Yeah. But some people don't record. I mean, there's a lot of older fans that don't record. Matthew says it's on the, yeah, there it is. It's on the basketball classic. They set the time for their event. And they're, they're really stupid, Mark. I hate to say that. Mm-hmm. That's just a they stupid are. thing to do. If you're the Emerald Coast Classic, you can't do more research than that. They've got two events to schedule, Mark. There's a four-team tournament. <laughs> it's very simple. You put the Iowa game late. At Las Vegas, we Iowa played an event in Las Vegas in 2019. And uh, we had the Iowa-Nebraska. I remember this because I watched the Iowa-Nebraska game at a a Wigan pen down in a pizza place down in Des Moines came back home and got home plenty of time, turned on the uh, Iowa, San Diego state, uh, Las Vegas invitational or whatever it was basketball wise. No, I don't know that they scheduled it for that reason, but again, why would you not, if you have an option schedule so that you can get all those viewers and you're probably going to get more viewers than you even would normally because people are in a sports mode, especially on black Friday. If you're involved in athletics in any such way, whether that's in media or with the universities or the conferences, regardless of what your allegiance is, whether it's to football or basketball or every sport, and you're not aware of the overlap at this time of year between football and men's basketball in particular, and that there could be scheduling issues that need to be worked out, then you're clueless. How hard would it? I'm just curious. Let me, let me ask you this from contractually. How, and we can get off the subject. How hard would it be for Emerald Coast Classic and CBS Sports Network to say to come together and say, hey, we're scheduled for 6 and 8.30. Let's move this to 6.30 and 9. Like week of. How hard would it be for CBS Sports Network and the event to make a ha- to literally push things back by a half hour the week of? Because they realized, oh, we screwed up. Well, I think it would be easier than normal regular season games because we're talking about teams that have flown to a location they're right. already there anyway whether they're they're there for a span of three to four days right and they're there on on site anyway at the pool at practice you know going through various events and enjoying themselves it's not like oh shoot we screwed up and now we're going to have to ask the Iowa basketball team to fly in early or whatever. No, everybody's on site. This is actually right. an easier change to make. And it'd be a half hour. That's all you yeah. need. That's really all you need because the game Iowa Nebraska should be yeah. over by 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 six thirty. Yeah. But if it you started at six, it, yeah. So, anyways, we can move off that. That's just a, a, a frustration that I've had for ever since we heard the the timing of the Emerald Coast Classic. Because that's a big it was a, for Iowa basketball fans. That's a big event for them. You get two Power Five teams back to back. That's a, a you know a pair of big games, and so we'll and it messes things up for. I mean, less people are going to attend that game. I mean, some people will make travel arrangements, but people don't want to miss football. You get one, you get twelve football games a year, you know, and uh, at least if you if you started a little bit later, you give them the late slot, then people can be in their hotel rooms watching the game and then go over, you know. But I guess I'm I've not been on that side of scheduling before. Yeah, uh, I used to be irritated by decisions made from time to time when I worked at the uh, network. Uh, so what is the comparison in popularity between Iowa football and Iowa men's basketball? 
all things being equal, not saying, you know, this is a great Iowa football team this year and a poor basketball team, but all things being equal. What's the comparison as far as comparison in terms of popularity? It's a, it's a great question. Um, I think people would consider this to be a football school, but it's probably one of the, the more even uh, support wise schools. I mean, obviously you have your, your blue bloods like Duke and Kansas that are, you know, North Carolina that are well known for being basketball schools. And you have your football schools like USC, et cetera. Uh, UCLA, well, I don't know, is UCLA there a basketball school? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of other examples, but you get what I'm, what I'm saying. Ohio State. Th- Who? Ohio State. Yeah, but see, Ohio State's had their, I mean, they're oh, they, kind of. They've got a really good basketball program, typically yeah. do, but it's a football school. It's not even. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a fair point. And I think Iowa's a football school with a good basketball program. Um, now, some fans are, you know, you think fans get upset about the, the Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz situation. I got one guy on my channel that just, he'll come back every week and almost everything that I post. When's the last time Fran's been to a Sweet 16? It's like he's trying to tell me something I don't already know. Yeah, <laughs> Iowa hasn't been to a Sweet 16 mark in 23 years. So, but as you know, it's a one-and-done format. It's a lot different than, um, you know, any other professional tournament. I mean, it's not a professional tournament, but I mean, even, I don't know, hockey or or, or pro basketball, you have a series and the best team usually wins. Um, it's the Mar- March Madness is crazy like that, so... Iowa fans are passionate. I've been disappointed recently with fan attendance in Carver. Um, and you compare that with the fact that Kinnick sold out every game this year, despite the big question marks about Brian Ferentz and the offense. There's obviously more support for football. But there there is a clique of fans that are real honed into basketball, believe me. Sure. Um, but I think I would say that, that's a great question because I'd love to take a poll on, on – maybe I should put this up on my channel um, – do you consider your fan uh, yourself a fan of football, basketball, or both? I'd love to to know the answer to that because, I mean, I would say I would probably say at least half follow both. But there is, I always get people. I mean, I think, I mean, we've had conversations with Erica in our in our chat. She's made it very clear on past shows she doesn't care about basketball. There there are fans out there like that. They just you know they like football and like basketball. So it is what it is. I've always been. I've always loved both. And I've had people ask me, "Are you bigger bigger Iowa basketball or Iowa football fan?" Guess what, Mark? When it's football season, I'm a bigger football fan. When it's basketball season, I'm a bigger basketball fan. That's just kind of. And this is the time of year typically that that you love because you get these cool non conference games in basketball, and you hopefully are playing for a championship in football. I'll take note of that and expect your interest in this show to wane after uh, football season's over. <laughs> Hey, this will keep me locked in, Mark. This show will help me okay. keep me locked in as basketball season goes. A couple of super chats coming in. And I want to remind everyone that this um, Iowa Hawkeyes Live is pro- provided by um, Gene Arthur Associates. Catch the link in the description section of any of the videos. Uh, Cole, thank you so much for the super chat. What did you guys think of Mark Stoops' new contract? Did you see this, Corey? So Kentucky football coach Mark Stoops signed an amended contract extension through June of 2031 will boost his annual salary to $8.6 million plus incentives up from the current $6.3 million. What's ironic about that is that Kentucky just lost a football game last weekend to one of the worst teams in Power 5, Vanderbilt, in breaking a 26-game SEC losing streak. And I don't think that that has any bearing on the decision that I would make as an athletic director or administration, but it's just ironic 
the timing of it um, that they lose to Vanderbilt in embarrassing fashion and he gets a $2.3 million boost. This reminds me several years back when Fran McCaffrey and his basketball team had a real rough year. I think it was 2016-17 season. And during the middle of the season, it, it was leaked out from a, a Freedom of Information request that Gary Barta had signed Fran to a large extension. But see, I think that deal was made up prior to the slide. So my question is, was this deal just now announced or was it was this finalized after the, the Vanderbilt loss? That's the question I have. That's a good question. Because if it wasn't, I can understand it because, I mean, he has been uh, – I mean, I still think Mark Stoops is a candidate for a lot of big jobs. So they may have just felt forced regardless. Mm-hmm. To, you know, we can't – we, we can't base our what we're doing here on one loss. And by the way, it, you're right. The Vanderbilt loss was terrible. It doesn't look so bad because Vanderbilt then comes back and beats and beats Florida. So, you know. So so this comment speaks to two things that you just mentioned. Athletic director Mitch Barnhart said in a release um, that the agreement had been in the works for more than a month. And number two added that continuity was more and more important in today's landscape. Yeah, hang on to them. Yeah, I mean that's. Yep. And I think they the, the administ- It sounds like the administration there feels the same way that the Iowa administration feels. Lemansky, thank you so much for being here as always and your continued support. Always enjoy a Mark or Corey rant or a real MVP versus Tim Prangley rant. <laughs> Beat the Huskers with our two great units. Yeah, there's been quite the. Debates on uh, the main channel here concerning my college football rankings. Bring it on, Mark. Bring it on. We've got uh, Lemansky coming back with, uh, think of the support in Carver for wrestling, women, and men's basketball and football sellout this year. Fans care. Very true. And as much as I've complained about, um, like last night was a disgrace, I thought. You know, Iowa played Nebraska-Omaha, which, you know, Mark, you're going to say, you're going to say, well, who cares about going to Nebraska-Omaha-Iowa game? Well, they had 9,000 people in seats. Nebraska-Omaha played Kansas. They sold out. They played Nebraska. They had, I think, 13, 14,000 in their arena. Nebraska's terrible. And you may say, well, it's an interstate uh, matchup. I don't think that brings in 5,000 fans or whatever the difference is there. Um, so, I... I don't know. I'm disappointed a bit, in especially early. I know it's right now. It's a, a lot of people are out of town, but I will say this, Mark. They support. We've talked about this. They support Iowa women's basketball. They have. I think they lead. They're at least top few in the country in women's basketball attendance. They do sell out wrestling at times. I mean, they're obviously a. You know, if anything, Mark, they're not a football, basketball, you know, anything else school. They're a wrestling school. I know that you may not consider that to be an. You know, not considered to be a, obviously a big revenue sport, but I mean, they've won a bunch of championships, and I've had people ask me, "Why don't you do stuff with wrestling?" Well, a, I don't have time. B, I don't know wrestling. Those are my two answers. But I did one last year, Mark. I did one post duel. I did a oh, post duel yeah. last year, and I got ripped for it. <laughs> I got completely. Because destroyed. you didn't know what you were talking about. I had well, I had people who enjoyed it, but I had one guy come on later. Who I, I think he was a Penn State fan, although I could be wrong. Who basically gave me this essay about everything that I was wrong about. This is this proves that you don't know what you're talking about. And you said this, and I'm like, 
dude, I openly admitted on the live show, I'm just doing this to be able to engage with fans and yeah. give them a platform. Yeah. And you allowed them to educate you and you allowed the, the yeah. wrestling nerds to voice their opinions and analysis. And you're just kind of a conduit. And last time I checked, it's free to log on and watch. So it's not like I was paying that people were paying for something that they weren't getting. It's a free program. You don't like it. You just turn it off. So. All right, folks. Uh, good stuff. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Um, we appreciate you being here and your support at uh, the voice of college football. Get on over to Corey's channel from the Hawkeye of the storm. Of course, we want you to be here uh, checking out our Iowa football content, but it's basically this Tuesday show. So we would ask that you would get out there and um, let people know that we are here every Tuesday at 4.30 Central, but more so get on over to Corey's channel for uh, consistent Iowa football and basketball content. Just so everybody's aware, Hawkeye Hangout tomorrow evening, as it is most evenings. Last week was an Iowa po uh, basketball postgame show. Hawkeye Hangout call-in show on my channel, and we'll have Coach Patterson on to be a part of that. So get on over there tomorrow. Um, 8 p.m. Central Time. Haven't announced that yet. 8 p.m. Central Time tomorrow. So check it out tomorrow. Erica, I saw your name and I actually was going to tell you something else, basically to let you know that uh, we're going to do a seven o'clock watch party. So just in a few minutes over on the main channel, we watched the college football playoff rankings. And yes, Iowa fans, I was this close to moving you into my top 25. It was it was razor close. Guess how many teams, Corey, are currently seven and four in college football? I have no idea. You're 22. Wow. Do you know how difficult it is to rate these teams when they're rank these teams? I am typically a very, Mark, I'm typically a pretty ambitious person. If I set my mind to something work-wise, I don't, I don't stop till I'm done with it. Even if, even if it doesn't pay off last year, I, you know, you and I had conversations and I asked you, Hey, how would you feel if I did a top 25 that, that actually makes sense for basketball? Did that through the end of the season, and I determined at the end of the season I'm done. <laughs> I'm not bringing it back because it was it, well. Basketball is a little bit more difficult since more games played. Yeah, but I I can sympathize. That's a lot of work. You're putting in the time uh, bringing out those rankings each week. That is a lot of work. Erica, we almost missed your super chat. Thank you so much for stopping me there. The most annoying this year was when the announcers at the Purdue game kept reminding us. How Charlie transferred to Purdue from Iowa every 30 seconds. I never watched that broadcast. I was there, and I, I never watched it back on television, so I'm glad. I, I did hear the same thing. Other people were complaining about that, too. Uh, where did you sit at the game? Did you have good seats in West Lafayette? Um, yeah, well, I think we were like 30-yard line, um, 40 rows up, somewhere in there. Yeah, pretty good seats. It's not a bad – I mean, the wind was what caused – difficulty have you been to ross aid no yeah that's a, I mean it's right one big 10 stadium and that's the shoe yeah i haven't traveled around you you, you i know i know you're busy you got to do more that, sec stadiums yeah you got to get to some big 10 stadiums I've, I've been to like five sec stadiums you should do you know how the beat the big 10 network does a bus tour you should do a mark rogers bus tour when, when we get big enough that it can be funded. We'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll plan a lot of things. There you go. Uh, Erica, thank you so much for another super chat. Yes. Tim Brando was drunk. That pass was not catchable. <laughs> okay. I don't believe he's, uh, 
he's broadcasting in that state, but we get your point. Corey, thanks again. We appreciate it. And if the regular season's done next week because they lose this Friday, Mark, which I don't anticipate happening, but if that happens, we'll be here again Friday, on Tuesday. We're not going anywhere. Yes, we will. And we will have a bowl game selection the next week to talk about, but uh, I believe we will have a Big Ten championship game to talk about at this time next week. All right, Corey, thank you so much. We will see you soon. Thanks, Mark.